Let me show you how to be a good baby and change your predictions after taking information in. I've always believed in learning from failures or learning from experiences where you don't succeed. That's where you gain the most knowledge. That's where you get to learn where your boundary is. If you want to know about the path to how I became where I'm at now, I guess I could go all the way back to high school. I was I grew up just outside sure. Los Angeles. In high school, I had a wonderful advisor named Sanza Kazadi. He was a PhD student at Caltech and he ran a research program for high school kids to do basic research. So starting there, I learned to code and was working on the traveling salesman problem. From there, I went to MIT talking about failures. I tried to be a physics major going in. I failed physics three times in the first year, so I couldn't. <laughs> I ended up being a math major, and it was math with computer science, so it was, a, it was really close to a theoretic computer science degree, doing some operations research as well. At the end of MIT, I wasn't doing so well in school. I was trying to apply to grad school, and that wasn't happening. Got a job in San Diego, MIT alum hired me. That's where I started working for three and a half years in software, a little bit of computation. So a lot of it was translating algorithms to production software, working on algorithms and a couple companies with the same crew, but we just bounced around a little bit. At the end of that, I ended up going back to Cambridge for a one-year program called Part 3 Mathematics. It's also a master's degree. I got there not knowing anything about Cambridge. I didn't do enough research, obviously. The For the American viewers, people, the system is completely different. There's no midterms, no nothing. You have three trimesters. You take classes in each of them, and you take two weeks of exams at the end, and that determines your fate. And I got to Cambridge, and I couldn't even understand anything in the syllabus other than the stuff in statistics. Mind you, I hadn't done an integral in three years, right? Integral, derivative. I didn't know what the normal distribution was. And I'd go to Cambridge. Those are the only things I can read. So I'm teaching myself measure theory while learning all these new things that I've never seen and managed to squeak out passing. So happy. At the end of that, I asked David Spiegelhalter, who happened to just come back to Cambridge, that was his first year back in the stats department, uh, who I should talk to. This is so when I say I learned bugs, he's he had a course on applied Bayesian statistics, which was taught in WinBugs, and he would literally show us which buttons to click and in which order in order for it not to crash. So that was fun. He told me I should talk to Andrew Gelman. So I ended up talking to Andrew Gelman and working with Andrew from 2009 to 2016. And that's how I really got into Bayesian stats. Hmm. After Cambridge, I knew theory. I hadn't seen any data. Working for Andrew, I saw a bunch of data and actually how to really work with data. Hmm. Since then, I've run a startup. We try to take Stan. So Stan's an open source probabilistic programming language. In 2017, a few of us thought, there was a good opportunity for making a business around it, very much like PyMC Labs. And we tried to make a horizontal platform for it. And at that time, there wasn't enough demand. So we pivoted and ended up estimating models for writing very complicated models and estimating things for the farm industry. Since then, like I left the company in 2020, at the end of 2021, mm -hmm. consulted for a bit, just random projects, and then ended up at Telus. So that's how I got to today. Yeah, thanks a lot for that exhaustive summary, I'd say, because 
that really shows how random usually paths are, right? And that, and I find that really inspiring also for people who are a bit upstream in their career path and could be looking at you as a role model and could be intimidated by thinking that you had everything figured out from your not, from when you were nine, 18 years old and just getting out of high school, which was not the case from what I understand. And that's really reassuring and inspiring, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah, definitely not. I could tell you going to career fairs at the end of my undergraduate degree, like people will look at my math degree and not even like really look at my resume because my GPA was low. My grades were as a student and also who needs a bad mathematician? That makes no sense anywhere. So that limited what I was doing, but at the end, it, it all worked out. Yeah, I agree. In, in, in a way, our paths are uh, similar, except for me, it was a GP in business school. So business school, political science, I did have decent grades. Business school, it really depended on the, on the what I was, what the course was about, because when I was not interested in the course, yeah, I, that showed, <laughs> for sure, that showed in the GPA. But yeah, and I find that also super interesting because in your, in your path, there is also so many amazing people you've met along the way and that it seems like these people were also your mentors at some point. So yeah, do, do you want to talk a bit more about that? I've been really fortunate as, as I was going through. So I haven't had very many formal mentors that were great. And by that, I mean like advisors that were assigned to me through schools. They tend to see what I do and discount my abilities because of my inability to do really well at school, right? So that that's what it is. But there were a bunch of people that really did sort of shape my career. Working for Andrew Gelman was great. He's He trusted me. Like he, for me, he was a really he trusted me with a lot, right? So he's, he was able to just set me loose on a couple problems to start. And he never micromanages. So he just let me go. For some, that's a really difficult place to be without having guidance in a difficult problem. But for someone like me, that was absolutely encouraging. And working with Andrew, and I worked really closely with Bob Carpenter for a long time. And mm-hmm. that was really great because he has such a depth of knowledge and also humility that, I don't know, it's, it's fun working with Bob. Some of the other times that I've really gotten to, to grow in my career were sitting in on some amazing reading groups. So there are two that come to mind. At Columbia, Dave Bly runs a reading group for his group and got to sit in. And those are phenomenal because they actually go deep into papers and really get at the content of the paper, what it's doing, what the research is trying to infer what's going on, where the the research is going next. But that really helped expand my horizon for things that I wasn't seeing while working in Andrew's group. So it was just much more machine learning oriented. And in a similar vein, at Cambridge, I was able to sit in on Zubin Garamani's group. Don't know why he let me, but he let me just sit in on his group, reading groups. And he had a lot of good people there at the time. That was when Carl Rasmussen was there working on his book, David Knowles, I don't know who else, but just sitting there reading about these papers, reading these techniques, people presenting their own work inside the reading group. Yeah, my encouragement would be if you have a chance to go sit in on reading groups, go join them. It's actually a good way, especially if it's not in your 
area of focus. It's a good way to learn and make connections to literature that otherwise would be very hard to read on your own. Yeah, completely agree with that. And yeah, it feels like a dream team of mentors you've had. I'm really jealous. Like David Spiegelhalter, Andrew Gellman, Bob Carpenter, all those people. It's, it's absolutely amazing. And I've had the chance of interviewing them on the podcast. So I will definitely link to those episodes in the show notes. And yeah, completely agree that if I have, if I had to do a PhD today, I would definitely try and do it with Andrew because I've, yeah, I've talked with him quite a lot already and it's really inspiring. And, and that, that's really awesome. And yeah, I completely agree that in general, that's something that I'm trying to do. And that's also why I started the podcast in a way of surrounding yourself with smarter people than you is usually a good way to go. And definitely me, I've had the chance also to have some really amazing mentors along my way. People like Ravin Kumar, Thomas Vicky, Osvaldo Martin, Colin Carroll, Austin Rashford. Well, Andrew Gannaman also with everything he's produced. And yeah, Adrian Zabolt also absolutely brilliant. Luciana Pass. All these people basically in the PMC world who've helped me when I was really starting and not even knowing about Git and taking a bit of their free time to review my PRs and help me along the way. That's just really incredible. So yeah, what I encourage people to do when they really start in that domain is much more than trying to find a, an internship that shines or else, trying to really find a community where you'll be surrounded by smart and generous people. It's it's usually going to help you much more than a name on the CV. Yeah, absolutely. Let me show you how to be a good busy and change your predictions after taking information in. 